Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota of Brookhaven has been voted best new car dealership in Southwest Mississippi four years in a row. Come see the difference. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show. Hope you're having a great day. We're coming to you from the Citizens Bank Studio, where we continue to celebrate the amazing people of Mississippi and the work that they're doing to help make this a better place to live, work, and play. I've got a, you know, we've been talking more on this show about mental health and mental wellness. Uh, we had the Singing River Mental Health Symposium last Friday. Emma Benoit, uh, who's been on this show and I've talked about many times, the cancer. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, suicide attempt survivor spoke, and she's such an incredible, inspiring uh, young woman. But, you know, one of the points we made in one of our shows, and I've said this many times, and guests have made this point many times, that you never know what someone's going through. So the people that seem the most solid in the world, and they, they, they've got, you know, the world by the tail and no big deal, they may be tormented on the inside. And someone who seems to be on the edge, it just may be a personality trait. They actually may be pretty strong on the inside. The tr- truth is, what we see in the people that we surround ourselves with, we don't really ever know for sure what's going on inside of them. And so we should always keep that in mind, especially when we're on social media, because we're willing to say and do things on social media in the comfort of our bed uh, about others that we would never do or say it to their face. You know, that's just a, a good lesson. But my friend, Stacy Waldrop posted this with that in mind. It's a quote from uh, Ruby Ann. And I think it's just a, it's a, something that we should all keep in mind. She, this is what it says. Build people up instead of tearing them down. Appreciate them instead of take, taking them for granted. And be kind instead of being insensitive. Let's focus on compassion and love and let's make the world a better place. You know, it's a powerful thing. It seems so easy, but we all have a role. Everybody's got a role. And um, we should think about that more often. What are other people going through? Assume they're going through something. That's what I would suggest. That's exactly what I would suggest. Okay, now let's shift gears. I've had the, the great honor over the past uh, over three years of, of uh, celebrating the Mississippi Aquarium in coastal Mississippi. I'm, uh, you know, I think that they're so important to tourism in coastal Mississippi. They've sort of become the centerpiece for economic development in Gulfport. And now that we've got the wonderful, well-designed walkover from uh, the Mississippi Aquarium into Jones Park, you know, I, I predict, and I said this on Paul Gallo's show, that it's going to become this iconic photo in coastal Mississippi. It's just it's one of those photos that is going to be part of who we are going forward. Um, the last opportunity I had to, to, to speak to the director of, of the uh, aquarium, I mentioned that we ought to get the, the folks from the veterinary services and research area of the Mississippi Aquarium back on the show. Because I remember when I had a conversation with Dr. Alexa DeLon, who's going to be joining me now, the vice president of veterinary services and research at the aquarium, that I, I remember having this. First, I learned a lot, but I really enjoyed visiting with her. So uh, without any further ado, let me... Uh, let me welcome my friend Alexa back to the Ricky Matthews Show. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you. 
You guys, there's no rest for the weary in your world, is there? No, rest is definitely hard to come by here. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, one of the things that we've talked about, and we're, what we'll, we'll, I'll circle back and we'll get, we'll get specifically remind people what you guys do and all of that. You know, we, we, I want to talk about the turtle effort, but we'll get to that at some point during the conversation. But what's happened at the aquarium for people who have not been there in a while? So they open and they listen to the public and they continue to listen to the public. And over time, there have been adjustments to the board. They've got some really, really incredible board members, entrepreneurs, business leaders, CEOs. Uh, they bring a lot of value to the table. And what has happened is, as the board is, you know, while it's a part of the city of Guphorn, uh, Mayor Billy Hughes wants wants this um, this aquarium to stand alone. They want it to to make its way, to be responsible for its outcomes, et cetera. And the board fully buys into that. And so as the aquarium has listened to customers since it opened during the pandemic, I might add, um, it has um, it has continued to make adjustments. It's brought new exhibits on. It's made it's taken advantage of the footprint that it has there on this beautiful campus overlooking the small craft harbor. And uh, as I, as Kurt mentioned the last time he and I talked, they've had some terrific attendance. The year-over-year numbers look really good. But what's happening all the time is tremendous amount of activity behind the scenes. My goodness, because when you add all these uh, these exhibits. There's more responsibility for the veterinary services and research area of the Mississippi Aquarium. So when I say there's no rest for the weary for Dr. Alex Dulon, um, I'm not kidding, am I, Alex? Alex, excuse me. No, not kidding. We, um, even if the aquarium is having a slow day, we are not having a slow day, probably. And even when, you know, it, we, I think we close only one day on Christmas, but we're still here working and the you know, all the people caring for the animals are still here working too. So, so tell me about your team. Tell me, tell me about, you know, what kind of people are on your team and take us kind of, if we're, for people who have been there and for people who have not been there, they can get a sense of the campus, kind of take us around in your mind geographically and show us, okay, we've got, we're now here and this is what we have responsibility for here. And this is what goes on behind the scenes. Kind of give us a lay of the land in that way. Okay. So um, if you've been to Mississippi Aquarium, you've seen our wonderful exhibits. So we have a variety of animals and many different exhibits and we have alligators, beavers, freshwater river system with turtles and fish we have North American River otters, we have bottlenose dolphins, and we have a big exhibit with mixed species of sharks, rays, fish, um, sea turtles. And then our new exhibit that you're talking about, the Changing Tides area, has a bunch more um, fish in it. Our sloth is there, our um, macaw is there, and our armadillo is there little frogs, a snake, and even the hissing cockroaches. So um, any animal that you see here on our campus, we take care of. So most of them get an exam once a year, just like you should go to the doctor once a year. They, they well, we go to them, right? They don't have to leave. <laughs> and then in addition to that, we have our offsite facility where we do quarantine if we get new animals, we want to make sure they're healthy before we introduce them to our current population. So we also take care of all of those animals off-site. So it's um it's a 
fairly large collection, not the biggest, not the smallest, but it's very um, diverse. So anything from a seahorse to a dolphin to an alligator. So we have to kind of know, oh, and the aviary, all the birds too. We have to know how to treat all the different species we come in contact with. So you're you're obviously a doctor of veterinary science, uh, medicine, but what are what are some of the other uh, specialties that you have on your team? So we um, we have a very small but mighty team, I like to say. So myself as a veterinarian, and then we have another veterinarian named Dr. Sean Perry, and he has a DVM, which stands for Doctor Veterinary Veterinary Medicine, but also a PhD. So he did. Um, an additional schooling um, and studied reptile reproduction. <laughs> and um, so we all, he has a more of a reptile slant, but again, we all treat all the animals here. Um, and then our vet tech's name is Kristen and she um, went to veterinary tech school. So just like you would, if you wanted to work as a technician for a dog or a cat, but she knew that she had interest in aquatics. She's done a lot of work with sea turtles at different facilities and um, dolphins, and she wanted to come here because she wanted a little bit more experience with the fish and the sharks and the rays and the birds. So she is um, an amazing technician and keeps both Sean and I on track and organized and everything running smoothly. So it's really just us three that take yeah, care of that's, the Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, one of the things that people, you know, when they go there and they, they look at that grand aquarium, and then, of course, where the porpoises are as well, and then the smaller aquariums that are all part of the new exhibit, you um, it's easy to sort of look past what it takes to keep that water clear and the salinity right. But man, I can't overstate how important that is, can I? No, I mean, so our team is not in charge of keeping the water proper, properly mixed or tested or feeding the animals or cleaning the habitats. That is water quality, and then the aquarist team or the husbandry team or the trainers, they all do the feeding and the cleaning and the day-to-day -day training and working with the animals. So I like to kind of say they're kind of like the quote-unquote owners. They don't own the animals, obviously, but it's like if you have a dog or a cat or whatever pet and you're the one caring for it on a day-to-day -day basis, you're the first one that's going to notice when something's wrong. And so you, then you would call a veterinarian and say, hey, my dog is doing this weird thing. Same thing happens here. They're like, I noticed this fish was swimming a little weird or, you know, so-and-so shark didn't eat its full meal today. So can you check it out? So we get, they are very important in the lines of communication with us. I can only imagine. Uh are there, I tell you what, I was going to ask about the, uh, the the dolphins, but we'll come back on the other side and talk about that. And there's a lot to talk about. I, I'm <laughs> just curious about just overall what's coming up that you might be involved in. I want to talk about the sea turtle uh, program, which is becoming one of the top programs in America, frankly. It's uh, very interesting to see what you guys are doing there. But we'll continue our conversation with, uh, with uh, Dr. Alexa DeLon who's the Vice President of Veterinary Services and Research at the Mississippi Aquarium. When we come back, see ya.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I'm having the opportunity to visit with someone that we've uh, had here on the show before. It's been a while, but I really have enjoyed spending time with Dr. Alexa DeLon, who is the Vice President of Veterinary Services at um, the Mississippi Aquarium. And, and we're going we're gonna to talk about their, the incredible um, endangered sea turtle effort they have, the rehab effort that they have underway there in just a second. But before we go there, I just want to I want to chat a little bit about the dolphins because people they love the dolphins, you know. And I know when the, when the aquarium first opened up, the dolphins you know display wasn't ready yet or has hadn't opened yet, and people would come and say, oh, I wanted to see the dolphins, you know. And people would say that well they're coming, we're we're going to work our way that way, but. They require special attention, don't they? They require a lot of attention, yes. <laughs> they're they're very, very charismatic animals, and people love them. We have people come every day. One of our um, members named Joey, his mom brings him every day, and he plays the harmonica for them, and he knows all the dolphins, all four of them by name. And, th- I mean, they really capture people's attention and capture people's hearts. What a beautiful story that Joey <laughs> comes and plays the harmonica. Has anyone yeah. done a story about that? Um, I don't know. She, his mom posts on her Facebook, and um, yeah. we, you know, she's so sweet. She made him a book of the all the staff members and what they do, like their pictures. Um, so they have they're very special people and good supporters of the aquarium. The members. Hey, do me a favor. Um, ask, um, Nicole March uh-huh. to send a, a video to us of okay. him playing his harmonica and we'll post it, um, sure. or, around about the time that we post this conversation with you. But sure. that's such a great story. See, I love, I love those little sub stories within the story, you know, how, yeah. how the aquarium is touching people on a very personal level. And in this case, maybe how Joey's touching the dolphins. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm assuming they probably know him as well as as well as uh, he knows them. Yes, you have to assume they recognize him. I mean, you know, you can't ask them, obviously, <laughs> but they definitely know their trainers. They definitely know people they see all the time. And just like people, you know, some of the dolphins prefer some trainers over the other. They all obviously work with them. But just like you have your favorite people, they have seem to have their favorite people. Um and the dolphins are ones that we keep a really close eye on. Um, just this week, we took a blood sample on all four of them, not because they're sick, but just because it's a routine thing that we do to make sure they're healthy. So we'll grab a blood sample and send it off and get the results and make sure everything's okay. Um, the dolphins are kind of unique. Um, to some extent, all animals can participate in their own health care, but the dolphins really are the ones who do it the most and what I mean by that is that they're trained for certain behaviors. So we can ask them, hey, for example, Nigel is one of their names. Nigel, come over here and lay out with your, you know, your side up, your left side up. And we can lay down and do an ultrasound. And he's just floating in the water. And that gives us a lot of information. Or they can um, chuff, which means like when they blow out their air, kind of like blowing their nose onto a petri dish and we can take that and look at the cells that are there and make sure there's not an overgrowth of anything bad um so they really can offer up a lot of 
samples without having to do anything invasive. You know, we can just ask the trainer to ask the dolphin and and more often than not, they will comply. <laughs> and that's and that's so it's so interesting to me. I, of course, I've, I remember as a kid going to marine life and just enjoying the the dolphins. And later on, when I was working for Mississippi Power for a short period of time, I actually got uh, close to one of the trainers there, and we would hang out together from time to time. But I was always maybe it was because of Flipper, you know, the the movie, yeah. you know, the, the the show Flipper at the and when we were growing up. It, it I always loved the outdoors and wanted. To, I spent a lot of time in the outdoors, but Flipper was a show that I always developed dreams around because of that, and um, it was a way for me to sort of be in touch with that part of nature. But I was always really blown away with how smart these animals are, and um, they probably never cease to amaze you. I would I would bet. No, I mean I'm so I'm from Kansas, which is about as landlocked as you can get. Um, but I remember when I was eight years old, the reason why I became anything to do with marine biology is we went to some park and I saw a dolphin show and I had never seen one in real life and I had really never seen any really impressive marine life. But I mean, I was eight years old and from the time I was eight years old, I was like, I will be a marine biologist, which I did go to school for that and then kind of morphed it into veterinary school. But I always knew I wanted to be an aquatic veterinarian. So I think that that's just a testimony to how important it is for people to actually see these animals in real life. Because as an eight-year-old, they made such an impression on me that I knew I always wanted to work to conserve them and make sure I could learn everything about them and teach other people and make sure they're around. And now I have kids and I can show them um, my kids, all these wonderful animals that I fell in love with. So, you know, you can watch a documentary on TV, but actually hearing a dolphin blow its blowhole in front of you or make a weird noise or splash you with water is a totally different feeling. Um, Alexa, you're so articulate <laughs> and your passion <laughs> for what you do comes across. And I, I just remember that from the last time you and I talked and um, and it conveys well. It's, it helps people sort of connect with their love of oceans and and so on. You know, I mean, we we have a deep respect. Most most people who live here or grew up here, people who moved here as quickly as they could get here, have a deep respect for what what you know coastal Mississippi means in terms of the, sort of the 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 water side of things. You know, the fact that we've got one of the largest. Uh, bottlenose dolphin populations in the world here, and the work the world the work that we're doing on turtles is incredibly important. Um, we became we become so much more aware of it when we someone something like the Bonnie Carey Spillway opens up, and 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 dolphin that don't know to get out of the way of the fresh water ends up getting impacted by that. I mean, we everybody's a lot more smart smarter about these things these days than they than they used to be. So um, and because the dolphins are so smart we we feel like we can we're closer to them for some reason you know i mean i bet people tell you that all the time don't they oh yeah i mean people <laughs> people love dolphins people love marine mammals they i mean they love all aquatic animals but dolphins do some seem to really capture people's attention and they're i mean they're impressive they're big they're smart they look at you <laughs> you can see them looking at you paying attention to you so that's a pretty unique uh, characteristic of a lot of animals so you talked about uh, drawing blood from the four dolphins recently um 
so you just kind of zoomed right past that. And but you did talk about how you get them to turn their side up to do the ultrasound, which I, yeah. I find incredible. Uh, but how do you get a blood sample? So the um, trainers ask the dolphins to lay out so that they're kind of like belly up. And um, the trainers hold the flukes, which are the tail of the dolphin. And you can actually, if you look really closely, see the indentation of where the blood vessel is. And you can also, if you're very um, carefully touch it, you can kind of feel it dip in. And um, so we just, the dolphins are trained. We practice with them. Um, we ask them into this position and don't take a blood sample. So they know that it's not always going to be like that when they do that. And it's just, um, you know, if you go to the doctor and they say, stick out your arm. So we're saying, stick out your fluke and we'll poke a needle in there and take some blood and then it will be over. So it's actually pretty fast. And the only thing that, you know, it's just a little nail, it's just a little needle prick. Um, and it's even a smaller needle than they use to take my blood. So wow, <laughs> interesting. bigger than me. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Do they flinch? Um, they no. sometimes when they're first learning, um, how to do it, they do. But, um, generally speaking, no, they don't. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's so interesting to me. That, that yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we could dive deep into all these things and we might bore people to death, but it's just interesting <laughs> to see how these things come together. You'll have to come uh, for a shadow someday. You can <laughs> Yeah, I, I would love to come do that. I'll have to come I'll have to come over and spend some time with you. I just you know, I really would like to I haven't seen the behind the scenes at all. Oh yeah. So, mm -hmm. well, I'll come I'll come visit you guys soon and we'll we'll go do that. Look, um the last time we talked, we were talking about some uh, cold and stunned uh, Kemp rib, rib, Wrigley's coming from a New England Aquarium, I think is where you said. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, what's, what started as sort of this, okay, we're going to start to do some efforts around turtle rehab and whatever. It's really begun to evolve into something. In fact, I, I was noticing the other day, I was going down the road and there was a car in front of me that had the Mississippi Aquarium turtle emblem on their car tag. And I know I, it reminded me that we've had more, I see more of those kind of tags out there now, but that's become a very serious part of your work, hasn't it? Yes. Um, I'm glad you saw the car tags. Yeah, we have our new car tags are out. I just put mine on my car last night. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we kind of fell into it. I mean, we were, we opened in 2020 in August. And then later that year, we got a call um, because they were having a lot of stranded sea turtles that year and they just needed help. It was COVID year. A lot of people were down people and it was a very high year for sea turtle numbers. So we jumped in with both feet and took in some rehab turtles and now it's become kind of a tradition. Like um, my technician says it's the best time of the year, sea turtle rehab time. So usually around the end of November, we start getting some turtles from the Northeast. They're flown down by volunteer pilots. Turtles fly too. And we've um, thus far intake, um, we've had, since we opened, 180 turtles we've taken in, um, which is a lot for only a few years. <laughs> Yes. And then something new we're doing this year is while the public, you know, the visitors to the aquarium can't see the turtles because they're held in our offsite facility because, well, frankly, we don't have room for all these turtles over here. Plus, we want to keep them separate from our turtles that live with us full time. Um, but we started a little symbolic adoption program so that people can go to our website 
it's msaquarium.org and then you click on animals and veterinary care and you become a rehab hero we will talk more about being a rehab hero related to these turtles that's an amazing number incidentally um and we'll talk about the program where do the turtles go what does it take to rehab and we'll, we'll kind of give you the sense of that when we get back on the other side as we continue our conversation with dr alexa dulan we'll see you after this you why we all love living in this great state of Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Alexa Delon. I love that name, incidentally. It's a beautiful name. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, I mean, I'm married into it, so. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, she's VT, VP of Veterinary Services and involved in research as well at the Mississippi Aquarium. And when we went to break, we're talking about this incredible process that they've, they're going through to do turtle rehab. And over 180 turtles since they opened. That's a lot. That's a lot that are coming through here. And they come in, in you know, from different places. Some of them are cold stunned, as I mentioned, from the New England area. But, uh, you know, how do you, how do you identify which ones are coming your way? Where do, where do they all come from? Well, yeah, so all of ours are almost exclusively from the New England area um, because that is where all of these little Kemp's Ridley turtles strand up there in the northeast when the water drops really quickly. Um, and, you know, they would get hundreds and hundreds of turtles. So there's not one facility that can take care of that many turtles. So... A lot of people around the country join together and take in, you know, 20. We took 40 this year. Like, it just kind of depends on the need. Um, so people from NOAA and National Marine Fisheries Service identify the need, and then they reach out to partners that are capable of taking care of sea turtles and ask what their capacity is and when can you receive turtles and how many and what species and all these things. Um, so we don't actually choose the turtles that we just get asked what capacity we have and we let them know what we can do. And then they say, okay, we'd like to send 40 your way on December 19th. Would that work? And we say, yeah, bring it on or, you know, <laughs> depending. Wow. What a massive undertaking. Though. I'm, I'm just <laughs> thinking is. about like, for example, I was a paramedic at one time in my life and we did a lot of transfers. So in other words, moving somebody from ICU in one hospital to another hospital and so on. And I just remember the way that handoff happened, that you know what we had to do in the process of doing that handoff, and I would imagine that some of these turtles have needs. You just don't throw throw them in some water or whatever they do, and then ship them to you guys. There's got to be some care and uh, and handling that's taking place during the transfer. And, and you're talking about doing forty at one time or forty total allotted at, at one time. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. So yeah, tell us so, about that. How does that work? So the turtles. Um, you're right. A lot of so they've already been taken in by rehab people. You this year it was North, um, New England Aquarium up in Boston, and they've already assessed them. Like if they're really really sick, they you know they start them on whatever medications they need. Most of them need fluids. Most of them need antibiotics. Some of them they have time to take the X-rays. Some of them they haven't really gotten to yet. But there's a few things that you can always expect. Um, pneumonia is really common thing for them to have. 
bone infections later on, problems with their digestion because they're just so cold that their GI tracts aren't really working that well. Frostbite, you can see the skin lesions. Um, so they've usually been started, had like at least one dose of a few medications and some vitamins. And then the veterinarians up there export all of the medical records and send them to us. And we go through them and figure out how we're going to number them, what each turtle needs when it gets here. And we make charts so that we can, you know, do checklists when they get here. <laughs> and we go out to the airport and they're um, transported by Turtles Fly 2, which is a volunteer pilot organization. And it's really funny because they're actually all put in these little, you know, have you ever seen a banana box from the grocery store? Yeah, yeah. So they're small enough that sometimes you have one turtle in the banana box and sometimes you have two. And then they have little heat packs and um, towels to keep them warm through their journey. Um, and then we get them here and load them up in our van and take them over to our aquatic research center, the ARC. And we get a lot of volunteers that day because it's a lot. Each turtle gets weighed. They get um, a little bracelet put on with beads that indicate numbers so we can keep track. We write their numbers on their shell. We take pictures of all of them so we can monitor their progress. We do a full physical exam from nose to tail. And then we take a blood sample, do an ultrasound, look at their heart. Sometimes their heart rates are really, really low, and we need to give them some epinephrine to get it going a little bit. Sometimes they need fluids. Like if their blood gases are really out of whack, we'll give them fluids. And then we'll start them all on a treatment regime. And we have a medical record system that we just... We put every prescription goes in there for each individual turtle. And then every day we can print out a list of who needs what treatments and go over and do them. So the first, you know, I'd say like when we first get them until about now, it's a lot. We might have, we might treat like 12 turtles in one day because they're all kind of on different, on different schedules. But, um, but it's fun. We love it. We love saving sea turtles and they're cute little Kemsardly juvenile turtles um, so it's, uh, it's a busy, busy time, but it's also really rewarding because like right now they're getting better really quickly. And, um, we were able to discontinue a lot of them off meds right now. You know, we have some still on it, obviously got to wait for the water to warm up and then we'll be able to release them here in our beaches cause they're, um, they're from Mississippi. They're native to this area. So that's really awesome because, we're able to show the general public sea turtles, and that's not something that you get to see every day. And they're super cute little sea turtles, too. <laughs> so, you you know, Kent Ridley, when people think about that, think about a big, you know, turtle. Yeah. They can get very large. Um, how, how, how small are these? These are about, this year, they're, we got a batch on a little bit on the bigger side. I'd say they're like five to six pounds, but sometimes yeah. they can be only like, 900 grams which is <laughs> so little so their pro their shells are about the size of a maybe a little larger than a dinner plate just yeah, for visualization yeah, yeah. yeah so um so so we'll come back to the adoption program here in just a second yeah. so people can have a better sense of all that but okay so uh, you get them to a certain point and the point you probably have some metrics that you're you're aiming for that you know they've gotten to a certain size all these, whatever you call these critical measurements of their health, when they meet whatever that criteria is, they're, they're nearing a point where you might be able to release them. So where do they get released? Yeah, they, um, 
they get released. Well, we have to get permission. So the the process is once the veterinarians, so Sean and I, once we didn't deem that they're healthy enough that they could be released, we um, contact National Marine Fisheries and NOAA. And we say, we have these turtles that can be released. And we um, we look at the weather. So we look at the, make sure we don't want to put them out in the middle of a storm, for example. And we don't want to put them out if the water's too cold, because that's what the, got them into this mess in the first place. So we check water temperatures, air temperatures, sea states, um, boat traffic, um, all the hazards that they could get into once they're released. And we ask permission to release them. And um we have to release them away from piers because we don't want them to get caught up in fishing gear. We have to release them away from a lot of boat traffic because we don't want them to get hurt by a boat. So um, the site we've tended to use is the um, beach across from the mall here in Biloxi, Edgewater Mall. Um, and But it's all, it's all up to the federal agencies um, where we can actually do it and when we can actually do it. We just make the recommendation that they're ready to go. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, listen, um, the turtle excluder device that now is part of the shrimping industry, I think, first of all, I think that was a brilliant piece of technology that it would, you know, the TED that would enable a turtle that gets into the net to be expelled. I mean, just what a brilliant piece of uh, technology and then of course the requirement that shrimpers use it because of that, there there was a, I do a fish offshore a lot. So while there was, a long period of time, we didn't see many sea turtles. I, I mean, I could over a long period of time, actually. And I would say over the last um, 10 to 15 years, maybe, you know, I don't exactly remember when the TED went into complete action, but we see them all the time now. I mean, we see turtles all the time offshore. And they usually have a little ecosystem with it. You know, they'll have... <laughs> cobia with them and you know i mean all kinds of other fish with them and they'll come up and look at us and we'll look back at them and they might come up again because they seem to be curious that's what that's my read on them and then they'll you know dip back down again and you know go out of sight um it's just kind of mysterious in a way that's that's the way i would kind of describe them but we do see a bunch of them that's the good news that is good news yeah so um so you release them, and that's that's what a great you know sort of sort of from the moment they get stunned and they come into the New England Aquarium, and then they're they're deemed survivable to make a trip like this, and then they come to did I hear you call it the Ark? Is that what you called it? Yeah, we so it stands for Aquatic Research Center. Yeah, neat the Ark, it, but it also has sort of this other meaning that which yeah. I think is kind of <laughs> cool. But you know, it comes to the arc where you guys um, do all that. You know, when I when I'm when I'm hearing you talk about it, you you could easily have been a triage facility for humans, <laughs> because the the kind of uh, work that you're doing is the same that you would do if you had some people who were sick. If you had 40 people who were sick, you're going to be taking blood exams, and you're going to yep. be in lots of cases doing ultrasounds and checking heart rate and other other critical um, you know things that you need to know about in order to, to ascertain their health or not and the records that go with that and making sure you keep it all straight and you got 40 of them you got to do it too <laughs> Woo! what yeah, what a chore what a it's chore a, it's a big undertaking but we have you know a lot of people that help us it's great <laughs> i think it's awesome too listen when we come back on the other side we'll remind you about the adoption program and about the turtle program and then we'll uh, find out what else is going on in alexa's life we'll see you after this 
back to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. We have Dr. Alexa Dulan with us, who is um, head. She's VP of Veterinary Services. She's involved in research as well at the Mississippi Aquarium. So we just, you know, when we visit with Alexa, we see we see what's going on behind the scenes. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation about the sea turtles and um, you know biting off a big old chunk this year with forty sea turtles coming from the New England Aquarium. Wow, what a great story that is. Um, but people, you know, it's interesting when you do the releases, people come and they engage in that and you make it kind of a media event. It's a great opportunity to bring people into the aquarium and give them a sense of these things that are going on at the ark, you know, sort of out of sight, out of mind. And, you know, so you're making a contribution back to um, back to the sea and, and the rehabilitation of these of these. Uh, turtles, and you're working with all these federal partners and the New England Aquarium in this case. It's just a great story, and people want to connect to that. But uh, remind us again, if someone wants to actually adopt a turtle, how can they do it? Yeah, that's something we started this year. So that the it's like a, um, you know, you don't actually get the sea turtle. It's just a symbolic adoption. But you can go to our website, msaquarium.org. And then click on animals, click on veterinary care, and it says become a rehab hero. And you can click there and you can scroll through all the little turtles we have right now in rehab. We've given them all names. And the theme for this year is different kinds of baby animals. So we have like a lamb and a chick and a puppy. And and then we have some weird ones that you might have to Google to see what they <laughs> what they are. That's neat. Um, yeah. So um, then you can get... You'll get some updates about that turtle that you adopt, get a little certificate of adoption, and the um, money that we receive for that adoption helps us rehab the turtles because it's not inexpensive. It costs about $500 a turtle, which is wow. a lot. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so yeah. Uh, do you let the general public go to the ARC? Um, we don't right now. It's um, it's a little bit industrial, and um, you know, there's always people working there and different. That's where we keep all of our animals that are um, under quarantine, so we kind of need to have fewer people come. But we invite the public to all of our releases, and they're able to see the healthy turtles that way. We've had people come as far as like six hours driving to see the sea turtle and they were running up the beach and I was like, what is everything? Okay. They're like, we don't want to miss it. We drove six hours. I was like, wow, that's a yeah. long way. <laughs> it, no, it is. It is. So it even is. If you're in, yeah. If you're in North Mississippi, you know, you can still come see a sea turtle release. Like this is Mississippi aquarium. It's not Gulfport aquarium. It's our aquarium for the whole state. And I think it gives everybody in this state a chance to uh, see the wonders of the ocean that we have. I mean, I'm from Kansas, so it's kind of the same as North Mississippi, right? It's far from the ocean. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it is, it is a Mississippi aquarium and you know, I don't care where you live. You can be landlocked crazily, but at the end of the day, people have a fascination with the ocean. They just do. And every opportunity to touch it, you know, we take it for granted because we live here. At least a lot of us do. We take it for granted because we live here, and it's we look out at it all the time. But I remember as a kid when we used to – I was raised in Bellevue, but as a young kid, I remember as we would uh, go down to the beach and would go over the railroad tracks, and there was a point when you got over the railroad tracks, you could look south, and you could see the water. I just remember how that made me feel. You know, just I, – I had a connection to it. I mean, I, 
my connection with water is what saved me as a young person. Now, I remember when I was in pre-med and I was in biology. I loved biology and zoology and all that. I remember there was actually a moment. I never got too serious about it, but I did consider, do I want to be a doctor or do I want to go do that? Because I really, really enjoyed the biology side of things. Now, some people, it's natural to them. And, and, you know, they love it. Other people can't stand it because right. you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of memorizing and, and that kind of stuff, but that came easy to me, but I enjoyed just learning about n- nature and how everything fit together and how we live in this, you know, interconnected world. It was just, to me, that was always very fascinating to me, but anything else about the turtles? I, I, we only have a short time left and I want to ask you what else is going on. No, I think that's it. Just be sure to visit the website and adopt one of our little babies or just scroll through their pictures and see how cute they look and what they're struggling against. For sure. For sure. So new exhibits, existing exhibits, you kind of, you know, you got a sense of what's going on there and what's coming. Yeah, so we're working hard to raise money for penguins because everybody wants penguins. We know. So, you know, we're working hard to raise money for that. But something that is really exciting to me, and it kind of touches on what you were just talking about as a little kid, you know, learning about biology. Um, We started working on this project with uh, deep water coral, or actually they're mesophotic. So the mesophotic zone is the zone in the ocean where a little bit of light gets to, but it's not the amount of light you see on the surface. or like a traditional coral reef. And I was unaware of the fact that we have these deep water coral right off our coast. So off the coast of Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, um, the Gulf of Mexico has a very rich collection of these coral. And we have started, um, we got awarded a grant, several grants, to work with some of these coral in various capacities. So one, one, you need me to stop. <laughs> yeah, but what we'll, hey, what we'll do, next time we come back, we're going to talk about that in okay. great detail. Alexa, it's been great to spend some time with you. Yeah, great talking to you anytime. <laughs> yeah, I hope you enjoyed this behind-the-scenes look at Mississippi Aquarium. Listen, have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.